Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So tell me, how was your week? It was terrible. Um, So, you know, when you go to a conference and you really want the champagne gift bag, but you go back to your hotel room and all you got is like the cashews. I hate the cashews. (laughs) I think cashews are the worst. Normally I like the cashews, but it's such a power move to not get the cashew, to not (laughs) get the champagne. I know. It's horrible. It makes you feel so small. Well, that's how small we feel this week. We're about to dive into it. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is No. My sign is No. My number is No. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, it's been a terrible week, but the one thing we like is we keep getting great reviews, right? On on uh, Apple, iTunes? Yes, yes. Thanks for the reviews. Um, they keep flowing in, and um, we're listening. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for your review. We hear you, or uh, we hear for you. We, we hear for you, H-E-A-R. Right. We hear so, for okay, you. The, these are... These are <laughs> Both Brian and Rachel inside jokes, but also if you've been taking our advice, like our yeps last week and are watching Succession on HBO, you will know exactly what we're talking about. If you do not know what we're talking about, you're lost. Please watch Stop Succession. what you're doing and watch Succession. <laughs> we love that you're listening to our podcast, but Succession's more important. <laughs> Maybe we should just like do a Succession episode one re- of these No, we'll just do a recap podcast. Okay, well, we're going to do that. I, would, I vote. We would to gain do it. a lot of listeners. We would probably lose even more listeners. So let's do it next week. I propose it. <laughs> we tried that with Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> people loved it. People did love that episode, but it was in the dog days of summer. Okay, what I want to talk about, I'm going to kick this off with the elephant in the room. It is the presidential election. All sorts of things are happening. Trump continues to sink in the polls. Elizabeth Warren is surging. And yet the front runner is still Joe Biden because he is uh, claiming the, the centrist lane. He is the one who is still, you know, definitively in the lead. But an issue, of course, in this election is that both he and the other top three candidates, the incumbent and his two challengers for the Democratic nomination, are all septuagenarians. Did I say that yes. right? Yes, they're all 70, 70 plus. So it is a little hard. I mean, in the history of presidential politics, uh, candidates are often trying to look young and hip, right? And it's very hard when you're in your 70s. But like, you remember Bill Clinton in 1992, we're showing our age. He came out and played the sax on our city so hall. So cool. He oh, played... and then he went on MTV and he talked about his underwear. It was <laughs> very right. scandalous. Boxers are briefs. That's right. He played Elvis, which I guess... Wasn't so hip, but at least he knew what music was. Um, and then, like, at the inauguration, R.E.M. played, which was super cool. And at the convention, there was Fleetwood Mac, which even then was a little dated, but I guess it was better than the alternative. Um, we love so Fleetwood Mac. We love Fleetwood Mac. And people are trying to be modern now. Like, Elizabeth Warren has her Insta, like, selfie lines, which is pretty cool. I love Elizabeth Warren. I mean, and she seems younger than those other two. She yeah, really I does. Like her, I like her as a person. I think she's genuine. Um, but anyway, Joe Biden... Biden is struggling with this whole attempt to appear youthful. If he's if he, if he's <laughs> even <struggling>. trying, <laughs> he's been to be generous. He's been a little doddering in his. Is that a word? Doddering. Doddering. Of course yeah, it is. in his yeah. performances. So it started a few weeks ago where he first sparked controversy with um, his comments about segregation and school busing, which you think would be like open and shut cases by now. Those would be settled history that nobody wants to relitigate. We are still debating (laughs) school desegregation. 
It's <laughs> and, and very busing. upsetting. Somehow he managed to open up that debate again. Um, and then <laughs> at the debate, I actually didn't, I caught the highlights, but this certainly made the highlights. He was talking about the influence that, um, you know, children should have from their parents. And he said from social workers. And here is his quote, which is worth uh, doing verbatim. He said, it's not that, like parents, it's not that they don't want to help. They don't. They don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure television, I, I, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, make, sure <laughs> the that make sure that your kid hears words. A kid coming from a very poor school, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time they get there. What the fuck is he talking about? It's the word gap. A lot of people talk about the word gap. <laughs> no, I know, no, but, but like, but, but record players, records the way like the telegraphs. Radio? <laughs> what 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 century is he living in? And I love the fact that he he started off by saying that he's like play the radio. No, no, no. no. Let me let me go something more modern. The television. <laughs> <laughs> he should be like get your sony walkman right and this, like no 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 i mean the disc man get your <laughs> disc man your your mini disc man to play okay so that was last week but this week tops them all so there surfaced a video from 2017 of him being honored nowhere where else but a wilmington delaware aquatic club i didn't know <laughs> that they had aquatic clubs <laughs> They're everywhere. I think they're just called swimming pools. Um, but um, he reflected on a time, I guess, in the 50s or maybe the 60s, when he was a lifeguard there and he became a lifeguard. The 1850s. <laughs> he remembers vividly when word of Dred Scott came across the wires. <laughs> Well, he said he became a lifeguard, quote, to learn more about the black community. So noble. That's why the black community supports him, because of things like that that he did yes. uh, half century ago. And he relayed a tale of a gang called the Romans. And the head of the Romans was a guy named Corn Pop, like the cereal <laughs> from the 1970s, Corn Pop. Um, and he said Corn Pop was a bad dude. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and he run, ran a bunch of bad boys. And back in those days, to show you how things have changed, one of the things you had to use, if you had used pomade in your hair, you had to wear a bathing cap. Okay, wait. So I love that his like indicator of how long ago was like pom pomade. And like now you use gel or conditioner, but no, you had to use pomade then. So you had to wear a bathing cap. And so he was up on the board and he wouldn't listen to me. And I said, hey, Esther, you, off the board or I'll come up and drag you off. Well, he came, off and, yeah, he came off and said, I'll meet you outside. <laughs> it turns out that the reference to Esther was to Esther Williams, st okay. swimming star of stage and screen, born in 1921, <laughs> who... I know only from like the dimmest memories and like the occasional flip through Turner classic <laughs> movies. She was the one who, I mean, she did wear a bathing cap. She's the one who would like leap off of like 400 foot poles, like water spouts into the, into the ocean and would water ski. And she was a, a legend of her time. She was a star of stage in Korean, our <laughs> finest living swimmer. So, so Corn Pop was like, oh no, he did I, oh, not just call, just me, call me Esther. Esther, Esther Williams. <laughs> that is a sick burn. What would, what would, what would the I'm parallel be today calling someone? Like, I don't even know. Like calling someone. Like, like um, 
I don't know, like Natalie Portman's husband, like Benjamin <laughs> Millipied or whatever. That's too obscure. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I like someone plays music. You're like, oh, I like it. It's kind of like the Bee Gees or something like, like Josh something Groban. Really... Right, right, right. It's like Kenny G. It's like, <laughs> like, hey, it's like someone has that hair and it's like, hey, you, Kenny G. <laughs> okay. That would that would be a diss for the ages. So I don't have anything more to say about that. That other than if you are wondering if Joe Biden is culturally resonant resonant enough to connect with the the upswing the the youth of America who are looking for change that's all i need to say but wasn't there another part of the story about how like he got a chain and was like ready to fight corn pop in the <laughs> no. in the parking lot yes he got a chain he was going to wrap it around his neck and the corn pop had like a razor blade that oh, was yeah, like there was rough- a razor blade involved yes <laughs> yeah and and like he was like you know back in the day they would soak their razor blades in a barrel of rainwater <laughs> like they didn't have a barrel didn't of have rainwater running water like what are you talking about joe biden you so in what, Delaware, in Delaware, they used to collect their rainwater in barrels and like rust up their razor blades to fight at the pool. I, mean, the- <laughs> I can't. I can't. No corn no, pop. No, no Joe Biden. Stop. No, Just stop talking. Down. Just figure out. No, no. Get better anecdotes, if nothing else. Yes. Listen just to your advisors. Some anecdotes. Yes. Just. just, just Lock it down. Don't no, just go play, free play range. The, play the saxophone. Stick to the script. Stay in your <laughs> lane. <laughs> just stop. Or, stop. Or drop out of the race and stop talking. No, nope. no, nope. no, nope. nope. shut this down. Okay. We have a lot of politics, right, Rachel? Uh, yeah, but we really need to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming with a nope push notification for oh, the ages. Oh, for the app. Do people, is there a nope app now? <laughs> There's a nope app. It's on the blockchain. <laughs> it's it's always always correct it's verified by experts okay so um we had all our topics for today and then this came in and sometimes it just helps to read the headline this was the headline in newsweek massive semen explosion (laughs) after blaze hits bull artificial insemination facility Firefighters forced to dodge, quote, projectiles. There's so much to unpack here. (laughs) What, like, what is going on? What are the projectiles? This is the first time hearing of it. Can you, yeah, break it down. Let's take each, let's parse this sentence as we did in eighth grade English and figure out what they're trying to say. What is going on here? What started the blaze? Why did the semen explode? Okay, so. Did the semen, was the semen in the bulls and like the bulls like ejaculated out of fear or shock? Or arousal. Okay, so this fire happened in Australia. Oh, of course. Of course. Our second largest market. Yes. Um, yes. At the Hi, Yarra- Gerald. Hi, Gerald. Yeah. Hello, Gerald and the Sydney gays. Um, the Yarram Herd Services in Gippsland, Victoria. <laughs> I had to say Gippsland, Victoria. So the emergency services, they responded to a fire on Tuesday, and it took 10 fire crews more than two hours to extinguish it. And so, like, in addition to contending with this fire, they had to be wary of these projectiles of semen 
coming wait, wait, at wait, wait, them. Wait, wait. Is it like individual sperm, which seemed very small, or was it like clumps of some it sort? It was like it was like canisters. So this wow. is what happened. Oh, they were they were they were enclosed in canisters. Yeah, so it wasn't it was, like it wasn't like wads. No, so it's the liquid inside these cylinders, it was rapidly expanding because I guess it was like kept cool. And so the fire's blazing and it just expanded and ex- essentially the lids of the cryogenic cylinders blew off and the, <laughs> the semen projectiles were being thrown from the building. So like, I just have to say, firefighters are the most amazing people. They, they're, these this people is, they're the first responders. They are... The- <laughs> They just went in. They were, like, like, every, when other people were running out, they were running in. They were running the in. <laughs> like a fire is not bad enough. Like they might be hit. It's a semen fire. With like <laughs> semen projectiles. So, but apparently this wasn't just like a physical crisis and a disaster. It was like it was an, an emotional a- crisis as well. Like an economic crisis, so <laughs> so there were 100 cryogenic cylinders, and and um, the Yarum Herd Services Committee vice chairman said it's going to be a quote huge blow for the farmers. Are they like trying to be <laughs> to funny make, with their <laughs> quotes? <laughs> oh. I, maybe I don't know, but so the actual cylinders were worth between $500 and $1,000 per unit. Um, but the semen inside varies in price depending on the bull. So they're losing like thousands and thousands of dollars and they're already dealing with a drought. So things are terrible <laughs> for these farmers and all they want to do is raise cattle and uh, this is and transport their semen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, milk prices are going down. Yes, semen is semen all prices. they've got. <laughs> it's the only commodity they have now. And they can't even move it from one pl- move it from one place to another. Move it. And who set the fire? We don't know. They're investigating. What, oh, it wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't like a crash or anything, or <laughs> like a like a meteor. <laughs> I think that would have been included in the headline. I can't do this anymore. No, no, no. no please. Shut it down. Okay, we've made our point. No. Okay. Push notification over, Rachel. Give me a serious topic, please. Okay. So, um, as you know, if I had to choose between like team Donald Trump and team New York Times, I will go with the New York Times every time. Of course. I just want to start by saying that I subscribe to the New York Times. I write for them occasionally, but I got to (laughs) say... When it comes to handling a couple of recent sexual assault they allegations, fucked it up. <laughs> they've fucked it up and it's a big fat nope. So uh, let's like go back to the story of E. Jean Carroll, which dropped a few months ago. And that was the first woman to credibly accuse Donald Trump of rape. And the story was buried in the book section because the allegation appears in E. Jean Carroll's memoir and that somehow according to the New York Times made it less newsworthy and it wasn't even promoted on the homepage and then the Times took a lot of heat for it and the managing editor ultimately said that they were overly cautious in handling the story and apologized okay so lesson learned so fast forward to this week 
when the Times did the same exact thing, but even worse. So there was a new Brett Kavanaugh sexual assault allegation that surfaced, also in a book. And this one was by the Times reporters, Kate Kelly, who I used to work with at the Wall Street Journal, and Robin Pogrebin. And there were so many things wrong with this rollout that we got to address them one at a time. Okay. So like the E. Jean Carroll story, the piece did not appear on the front page. This is a story about a Supreme Court justice sexually assaulting a third person that has not been discussed before. It was relegated to the Sunday Review, which is the section for opinions and essays. Okay. The headline focused on Debbie Ramirez, who was the second woman after um, Professor Blasey, Christine Blasey Ford, um, who said that he like uh, put pushed his her down penis, and yeah put it yeah well Debbie Ramirez said at Yale Brett Kavanaugh like shoved his penis in her face at a party and the headline said Brett Kavanaugh fit in with the privileged kids she did not so it focused on that and then you read down to paragraph 11 and it says we also uncovered a previously unreported story about Mr. Kavanaugh in his freshman year that echoes Miss Ramirez's allegation a classmate Max Steer saw Mr. Kavanaugh with his pants down at a different drunken dorm party where friends pushed his penis into the hand of a female student so this is a pattern of behavior. He likes not just exposing his penis, but actually pushing it into physical contact with women. With faces and hands. Unconsenting women, yes. Yes, which is very disturbing. So there's a third allegation. It's in the 11th paragraph. It's not in the headline. And then it was also like reported in, in this piece and also in their book that this guy, Max Steer, reported this to the FBI and to Congress, but nobody followed up to investigate. This and is they, like were, a huge... they were supposed to have done. Wasn't that the whole thing when they were deciding whether to confirm Brett Kavanaugh? They're like, we're going to do a full a FBI investigation. investigation. Right. A and Susan Collins decided, you know, decided her vote based on that. But then they gave them three days to do it. And God knows what their mandate was. And now yes, I think and they restricted we... it just to Christine Blasey Ford. They didn't even look into Debbie Ramirez's allegations, which are v- very credible. And there's and a lot of people got, who witnessed now it. Now we've got E. Jean Carroll. Right. 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 And now we've got Brett Kavanaugh sitting on the Supreme Court. OK, so but there's more. So there was the tweet that The New York Times sent out to accompany the story to launch it into the Internet <laughs> said, <laughs> quote, Having a penis thrust in your face at a drunken dorm party may seem like harmless fun, but when Brett Kavanaugh did it to her, Deborah Ramirez says it confirmed that she didn't belong at Yale in the first place. Wait, so that's the that's the the outcome that, of this is like it's she didn't belong at Yale, like she didn't have friends, she didn't belong. She didn't have friends. Like that's, that's that's the upshot. Not that she was sexually assaulted. That like not that made she her was sexually assaulted. She did not belong in a community of people <laughs> who were accustomed to and comfortable with being sexually assaulted. Was that that's the gist, right? That's the gist. Okay. So and then it links to the article. So obviously there was like an outcry, and you know how did this happen? Who decided on this? And you know after days of mystery. The author, Robin Pogrebin, admitted that she was the one who drafted the tweet. But I say, that's why we have editors, to save us from our worst selves. Why did they just publish that? That's That's terrible. Right. Right. And I understand an individual doing like, you know, non-fact-checked tweets. Like that's what Twitter's kind of for. But you're the New York Times. And if you're speaking as a representative of the New York Times, get your facts straight and make sure that whatever you're saying is consistent with the spirit of what you've reported and published. Exactly. 
Exactly. And there's even another bigger problem, which is that <laughs> it just goes on and on. The Times left out of the piece the fact that this third accuser that hadn't before been reported now claims that she doesn't recall the incident that was witnessed by this man, Max Steer. And the fact that she says she can't recall the incident did not appear. It does appear in the book, but it didn't appear in the article, which was an excerpt from the book. So what the hell happened there? And it's just like another thing that the right has seized upon to lend credence to their dumb idea that the New York Times is fake news, which in reality, you can imagine a world where this accuser is now fucking terrified that this guy is sitting on the Supreme Court and she's like, oh, I I don't remember that. I don't know. Maybe like three months ago, four months ago, she remembered. And now it's like, oh, no, my memory seems to have. Right. Who wants that spotlight? That's what Dr. Christine Blasey Ford said. Like, that's why did she wait so long to talk about it? She was scared. It's natural to be scared. This is terrifying stuff. These are powerful people. So and now now he's on the Supreme Court. So he's even more powerful. Right. We've been through this whole drama so far. And like the last thing she wants probably is to be another voice in this crowd. So it's totally reasonable to think that she would temper her statement or try to backpack or whatever. I try to backpedal. But th- right. in this case, there are there are witnesses. There right? are witnesses. The there are other people s- who the, saw it. Right. The big thing they said with Dr. Christine Blasey Ford is that like, oh, well, no one saw it and nobody remembers it. But other people remember it. They saw it with their own eye. Their third party verification. They yes. would have, if the FBI had investigated it, they would have found. They would this. have known. They would right. have found out. I would so, be a better FBI investigator. I like. I, I'm not a reporter or an investigator. I would have called the one person who said they saw it and asked them if they said they saw it. I would have evaluated their credibility and decided whether to pursue it. But they didn't even do that. Well, the problem is the Justice Department so thoroughly circumscribed the investigation that it was just like a sham investigation. And now we have this serial sexual abuser sitting on the Supreme Court and we've got Trump piling on and saying that the entire New York Times should resign in protest. The entire New York Times. Way to fuck up an opportunity, New York Times. What is wrong with you? No, what about Pete Wells? The restaurant reviewer is very good. We should keep the restaurant (laughs) reviews. Yes, keep him. (laughs) But I just think this sucks for Kate Kelly and Robin Pogrebin, who are excellent journalists who I'm sure wrote an amazing book. So New York Times, get it together. I'm not going to unsubscribe because I support your mission. But come on, this is unacceptable. Do better. Be better. Yeah, we need to be unimpeachable because our president is impeachable. And we need to make that line crystal clear. So we have a higher, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. a higher bar. Come on. Yes. Okay. No, No. shut this down. Shut it down. Sorry. Oh, okay. So... Let's go back to one more item about politics, although really just politics adjacent. Um, I want to go take us back two years to the land of Sean Spicer. Remember the days of Sean Spicer? Oh, yeah. Um, The biggest crowds. The biggest crowds. I, I remember Melissa McCarthy doing him on SNL more than he himself. But finally, he has his second act. He made this week. He made his debut on dancing with Dancing with the Stars. Yes. And um, he came out in a fluorescent lime green ruffled pirate shirt. And um, I, when I saw that, I said, this is the end. Uh, this is the sign of end times. It is. <laughs> it is the end. But we before, are... before we judge, before we judge, because, you know, dancing makes you vulnerable. And I credit people like at a wedding or a bar mitzvah. <laughs> like makes you vulnerable. <laughs> No, I mean, when you're at a wedding or a bar mitzvah, the first person out on the dance floor is always a little vulnerable, but the party doesn't start without him. 
right? <laughs> right? So like maybe maybe that's that. So before we judge, I'm going to give my review. And here's my review of this performance. I studied it carefully. It was fucking awful. Okay, so it starts with a close up of him playing the bongos, but it's just the hands and it's playing so adeptly so quickly that I can't believe it's actually his hands. And then they cut out to a long shot and he's standing there playing the bongos and it sure doesn't look like the same hand playing bongos. So he's standing above the so stage. He had fake hands. He had like a hand <laughs> transplant. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like what do you call it like a it was like a cutaway it was like a cutaway <laughs> okay. right as we say in the biz right a hand double but he would, <laughs> it wasn't george costanza a hand double at one point <laughs> so he was standing above the stage almost like a dj like a dead mouse or something like that like spinning turntables and then the actual pro dancer Lindsay arnold comes out and on comes the music which is the spice girls spice up your life Every boy Ugh. and every girl, spice up your life. And she's a real dancer, so she's oh, doing spicer, well. Oh, spicer, so it's like spice up your life. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Oh, you're much smarter than me. Right, I terrible. thought it was a salsa, right. Oh, so, terrible. Uh, right. Spice up your life. So um, then they started dancing together, and let's just say he was definitely the passive player in the dance. He was the sub, for sure. Oh, he yeah, and he took credit for it, just like, you know. Yeah. He, no, he was, he, the, he, was, was... he was the bottom. He was totally the bottom in this, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he in was white pants. You didn't right? talk about his pants. <laughs> Sorry, I was so distracted by the lime green pirate <laughs> shirt that I didn't look below the waist. <laughs> But he was like he was like barely moving. He was like wigg yeah. wigg wiggling at best. Now, to be fair, the one thing he did well, <laughs> well, he, he wiggled as the press secretary. He wiggled yeah. around the truth. He wiggled. To, now, to be fair, the one thing he did well was that John Travolta like arm twirl. You know what I mean? Like the thing from Saturday Night Live. He actually was quite adept at that. Um, but in the end, the, the judges had their final say. Out of a total of 30, he scored 12. Okay, that's really bad. Did he did he make it to the next round? You know, I don't know the rules of Dancing with the Stars. I don't know if you wait till the <laughs> it's next very week. Very complicated. But, but, but he was aware that the, the public would not be with him. So he tweeted, clearly the judges aren't going to be with me. Uh, let's send the message to hashtag Hollywood that those of us who stand for hashtag Christ won't be discounted. May God Wait. bless you. Because now it's about Christ. It's about Christ. <laughs> this is <laughs> about Christ? Jesus How determines who gets eliminated from Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> And I then have... after afterwards, there was like a spin room um, interview with him. And he said, look, you know, people said, like, there's this backlash. And he said, look, I'm used to that. You've got to zone it out. Enjoy yourself. I know who I am and what I believe, and I'm comfortable with that. I did this to have some fun, enjoy myself, and hopefully show what a great opportunity this show is for the country to bring people together, allow you to root for another person regardless of their background. And we're missing a lot of that right now because of you. Because, because of you, of you. because of you, and and no, it is not an opportunity to bring people together. This is actually the least humiliating thing that Sean Spicer has done in the last <laughs> couple of years. He should have is done this... if he had done the press conferences in that costume. I think he would have done a better job because at least it would have aligned his look with his demeanor and with his relationship to the truth, which is farcical. When I saw that shirt that he was wearing, and like you know, it it 
had like a second life on the internet, like juxtaposed with Jerry Seinfeld wearing the pirate shirt on Seinfeld. And it happened on the same day that Netflix announced that it was, you know, buying the whole Seinfeld library for half a billion dollars. I thought it was kind of like some kind of subtle Netflix or like a crossover promotion. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, um, the obvious question then is, you know, all of these fired Trump, you know, people, which is all of them, basically, how long until his successor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, does that? But it turns out that they were the the Huckabee family was one ahead of me. It turns out that Mike Huckabee, the former governor of Arkansas, tweeted, want to create an emotional meltdown in Hollyweird? Vote for Sean Spicer to win Dancing with the Stars tonight and every night he's on. He's a good and brave sport to go on. Let's show him some love. And then oh my Spicer- God, I'm sure he's collaborating with like Cambridge Analytica to like <laughs> hack the Dancing with the Stars election. And Spicer replied, thank you at Gov Mike Huckabee. Really appreciate your support and prayers. So again, it's about the prayers. It's about the prayers. It's not about calling in. It's not about, it's. this is disgraceful. I. The worst part about all of this, there's so many bad things, but none of these people can dance, you know? <laughs> it's <laughs> like an a- insult to the art of dance. <laughs> stop dancing. Stop, stop dancing. Stop dancing around the truth. Stop dancing around the stage. Just stop dancing. We don't want to see you anymore. We don't want to see you in a shirt. We don't want to see you in pants. No, start we swimming don't- like Esther Williams. <laughs> get on the, get on the, on the diving board. <laughs> Shut it down. With your pomade. Shut it down. No, no. Okay. Okay, Rachel, uh, we had one Antipodean uh, topic from Australia. I'm going to take us now to New Zealand, more specifically Auckland. Okay. Uh, Karen Novak lives in New Zealand. Hi, Karen. Karen. We haven't mentioned you in a while. Hi. So um, this is a man who worked for uh, FCB, I guess is Footcone Belding. And uh, he received an email from his boss, and uh, the the he was requesting a meeting to quote discuss his role in the company. And when you get an email like that, you know it's probably not good. And he said, "I thought it's either a promotion or worse." Um, so what do you do? He said, "I thought it was best to bring in a professional." So I paid two hundred dollars and hired a clown. Okay, who among us? <laughs> would not. That would be my first instinct. <laughs> if I received a uh, an email like that, a, a looming, ominous email from my boss, I would hire a clown for that meeting. So it was a good thing that he did because he did, in fact, get fired. Um, and it was an interesting scene. There's a little bit of a photo from it, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes. And apparently, while he was being fired, the clown mimed crying um, as the employers slid the severance paperwork over the desk. And while they were having the discussions about the terms of his separation, the clown made a balloon unicorn and a poodle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, apparently this, uh, this received mixed reviews, this approach. Okay. Um, on, the, on the plus side, um, the guy says uh, he cost $200. So basically he was, I assume, one of the best clowns in Auckland. Yeah. So there you go. He was worth the money. On the negative, he said it was sort of noisy, him making balloon animals. So we did have to tell him to be quiet. Why was the, the clown? I have so many questions about the logistics of this operation. Like, why was the clown, like, allowed in, first of all, in the building? <laughs> and then in the conference room 
They're like, who are you here to see, sir? <laughs> it's like... He's like miming. Like... <laughs> Like he's in a box. <laughs> like pulling a string. And then when he gets called into the meeting, he's like, do you mind? I have someone with me. And it's the clown. He's like, this is kind of an important meeting. And he's like, well, I've got to bring This is kind of an important guest. <laughs> well, I think it's like we talked about so many times. It's all an old topic now about the emotional support animals, the crazy ones on the airlines, the, the peacocks and the hedgehogs. But I appreciate that he upped the ante here. And this is one that's actually helpful. Like it doesn't no. seem like a stunt. No, like, I think what happened here is that he got the email from the boss saying like I want to talk about your role in the company and like the boss was actually going to promote him and then when he oh you think and then he blew it when the clown walked in (laughs) he shot himself in the foot with the clown in one of those big clown feet in one of those big clown shoes if all, if it was not for the clown, he would have been promoted. He would be the chairman of FCB New Zealand right yeah, now. And but in fact, in fact, he's unemployed and two hundred dollars <laughs> poorer. But he does have a <laughs> unicorn balloon, so there's that. And he said he left a good Yelp review for the clown because the clown did nothing wrong. I mean, he <laughs> no, was just the doing clown his job. <laughs> is the innocent party. <laughs> <laughs> he was the he's the aggrieved party here really i mean i guess he got paid so out of the generous uninsurance safety net uh in in new zealand but no don't bring a clown don't, to your don't bring a clown layoff. to your layoff i wish i did that though like <laughs> <laughs> it would have been consistent that everything happened at that company though yes. it would have been totally un, unremarkable yeah no one would have noticed <laughs> Given that the whole company was a clown car, yes, right. Why not just bring in one more? One more, exactly. So okay, no, no, shut it down. No, no, absolutely not. Okay, Rachel, I think you have one more. I do. Okay, so there's this new movie about Lisa Novak or Novak. I don't know how you pronounce it, but do you remember? Like she was that astronaut who returned from space. I, I don't know if that was her real name. I think her real name was. She Lucy. the one who drove across the company country, or her boyfriend drove across the country. Is that the one? Yes, yes. Her real name was Lisa Novak, but in the movie, I think her name is Lucy. So she she returned from space and drove 950 miles from Houston to Orlando without stopping to confront a woman who was sleeping with the man that she loved. Right? Who? Who? who I would do that. Right. Okay, fine. That's true. That's true love. That's, that's, that's true, true love. love. That's true love. But she was she was apprehended by the authorities in Florida, and she had all these strange items with her on her journey. She had a buck knife, latex gloves, a BB gun, pepper spray. Who oh, among us? <laughs> and, and, and the, did she have a clown? Did she have a clown, a clown. in the writer's seat? <laughs> and and the pièce de résistance was. Um, government issued adult diapers because she's an astronaut so she had access to like a stash of government issued adult diapers and she used that to minimize pit stops during the long drive right yeah you don't want to who wants to stop stop? i mean if you're a guy if you're a guy you could just have an empty milk carton no but if you're a woman and especially (laughs) if you're a woman who just was in orbit you're just like let's keep this thing going right (laughs) like let's let's go why stop now (laughs) (laughs) so so this story was made into a movie and the movie premiered this week at the Toronto International Film Festival and it's starring our finest living actress Natalie Portman as Lisa Novak and yet another yet another Long Island Jew like the two yes of us. from Syosset and um yep. Natalie Natalie Hershkovitz and really I didn't know that was her real name okay and uh audiences were going bananas because the filmmaker omitted the part about the diapers 
That's the only interesting part about the story. Exactly. So Amy Kaufman, who I know, and she writes about film for the LA Times, she delicately asked the director, (laughs) Noah Hawley, about the omission. And he said, given that it's not a documentary, part of the work I did was trying to create a character journey that you could really relate to and stay with, even when she went to places you didn't want her to go. No, but that's the most interesting thing about the story. And the, the most story. relatable. Everyone has to pee when they're driving a long distance. And who among us <laughs> has never wished that we had an adult diaper? No, no, no one. Everyone. It's has- a miracle of it's a miracle of science that is unfairly stigmatized. Exactly. So I'm going to stop. I mean, how many times have you been in a meeting and wished that you could like politely have a, a pee break, a human comfort break? If we had adult diapers and if they were socially acceptable, just let loose. (laughs) So I don't know exactly. Let it it pour out. I don't know what happened here. I mean, we may never know the real story. I feel like maybe Natalie Portman objected to the diapers. But I feel like in leaving out the diapers, they left a diaper-shaped hole in our hearts. Absolutely. I mean, what I really wanted to see here is if she had done this, if she – what I would kill to see is Natalie Portman's face – while she was peeing in the diaper. They don't have to be graphic and show the like actual like seeping liquid. No, or no, just show I just wanna see I just wanna see her driving and then watch the subtlety of her face as it's very clear that she's peeing and that would win her the Oscar. Right. That like is in Meryl acting Street class when they're like, Okay, right. you're you're an astronaut. Talk with your face. <laughs> you're peeing in a car. <laughs> Into a diaper. Okay, so I just no, feel don't, like don't act, don't act, react, react, react to your bladder. <laughs> it's like telling the story of OJ without the glove. It's like show, show don't tell, show don't tell. So every headline about this movie still focuses on the diapers or the lack thereof, and the movie should be called Lucy in the Sky with Diapers. Scoops of Lucy in the Sky without diapers. <laughs> the called, stay in your, tell it like it is. Tell like it is. So nope to the diaper haters. Embrace the diapers. Add them in CGI, Noah Hawley. Call us. We can help. Yeah, no, we know how to do this. We're, we're the future of Hollywood right here. <laughs> Box office receipts are down. Netflix is eating your lunch. We know how to fix nope this. Nope is up. Call, Call us. us. Okay, no, no for this whole thing. Okay, it is time for our yups. We have had enough nopes. We now need something that... Uh, Helps everybody understand how we got through this terrible week. These are the little beacons of light, the little rays of hope that kept us going. Rachel, you please go first. Yeah. So um, this week I interviewed um, a woman named April Bellagio for a story that ran in the Wall Street Journal. And April is the daughter. You know, you're far you're far too modest. You, you, you're you riffing off these stories in the journal, in Vanity Fair. You mentioned them in passing. In passing, but just like. like let's, let's, this is no small thing, right? It was for the very journal, exciting. For it was, it was yeah. a. Okay. It was a really fun story to write, and she credit where credit is due. Yeah, thank you. Um, she's so she, April's the daughter of Edward Wayne Edwards, who is a little-known serial killer, and like, you know, like we always talk about how terrible things are, but this is a person who grew up the daughter of a serial killer. She's a fifty-year-old mother of three. She lives in Ohio. And growing up, she had this sneaking suspicion that her dad was a murderer. And one day, <laughs> 10 years ago, she was... Who among us? <laughs> she, was, she was just kind of Googling some cold cases from all the towns that she lived in growing up. And she found one that took place right near where she lived. And she called the cops on her dad. And that's how he was caught. And now she's on a mission to investigate all these cold cases that he might have had something to do with. 
And um, it's a subject of a new podcast called The Clearing, and everyone should listen to it. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's really fascinating. And she's just someone who's taken a shitty situation and turned it around, and she's very inspiring. So I hats off to you, April Bellagio. I look forward to listening to it um, at a, in a day and age when serial killer, killers get a bad name, as do their families. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's good to see the human side of uh, the untold tale. The untold of tales these... of how these crimes affect the family. <laughs> it's it's really... That's the real story. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. Um, my yup goes to Cokie Roberts, who very tragically passed away yesterday at the all too early age of 75 of breast cancer. I have a personal story about Cookie Roberts. She, of course, was a trailblazer um, in journalism. Amazing she journalist. came from a she came from an from a famous political family in Louisiana. Congress people, both her her dad and her mom, I believe. Her dad died in a plane crash. But unlike other people who came from privileged families, she tr- blazed her own trail and became a very formidable journalist in her own right. Here's my personal story is when I was a sad, lonely child searching for meaning in life, I was obsessed with politics. And the reason why is that on Sunday mornings, the way we have the Sunday morning talk shows, uh, it was this week with David Brinkley back then. And uh, it was the panel was uh, Sam uh, Donaldson, George Will and Cokie Roberts. Uh-huh. And she was the only woman who was shown on the show. And she was amazing. Sam was like the correspondent and George Will was like the right-wing nut job and she was just like the voice of sanity the well-informed voice of sanity Forever. And she was up up and up until the very end she did the weekly politics roundup on npr she was always a treat when i heard her and koki roberts you will be missed rest in We're peace so and i've been so rest my dog's peace. name is coco and i've been calling her koki <laughs> roberts for the past month or so and it was just weird to see that pop up in my Mentioned. Don't stop. Keep calling I, her in memory. I am. Keep calling her I Cokie actually Roberts. am. I mean, it's a it's now, a great legacy. <laughs> now, now more than there's a, there's a dog in Long Island City named after you. <laughs> we should name a fucking bridge or tunnel I know. or the a, a wing or of a, a congressional <laughs> building. Yeah. No. Okay. So yes to yep to Koki Roberts. Thank you so much for listening. Please. We've been getting so much great reaction. The numbers are going up. Please rate, review, subscribe if you love us. Help us. Help if you us. Love us. Help us. Help us. Yeah. Just um, <laughs> give us your feedback. You know, Tell us what you think. We're, we're open to we suggestions. We may listen. We may we not. We may not. We may listen. Just like yeah, anybody else. Know. Sometimes we listen. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> Mostly we don't. Okay. Uh, this has been running long, so uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. This has been This Week in No nope. podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing. Shoot the shit. We got shit to shoot. Yo, you want to meet me at the bar? Yeah. Yo, you want to meet me at the lounge? Yeah.